Welcome to Awaken Life Church podcast. For more information about our church, please visit awakenlifechurch.net. We hope you enjoy this message by Daniel Willett. Good morning. <laughs> Man, I'm just I'm just wrecked. I'm just wrecked. Uh, man, I just got, we just, you know, we usually do 30 to 45 minutes of prayer uh, before service, and man, I just, like, the Lord just just so encountered us in that moment, and uh, we live for those moments of just, like, stepping into that realm of just, like, experiencing the love, experiencing the presence of God, and He is here. He's here right now. This is going to be an awesome day. So I do have I do have one funny thing before we get serious. I have one one funny thing. So this is your opportunity to laugh. So don't miss it. Don't miss it. This is your one opportunity. So okay, here it is. During labor, the pain is so great that a woman can almost imagine what a man feels like when he has a cold. Almost, not quite. But ladies, if you've been through labor, you're almost experienced what it's like for us men to have a cold. Uh, got a couple women that just had babies in our church, so it's fresh in their minds. Okay, if you have um, foot issues, pain in your feet, tingling, ankle issues, toe issues, Anything like that, anything I didn't mention related to the feet, stand to your feet right now. Awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Last time we did this, um, the Lord put on my heart to pray for elbows. And um, we had a few people stand up, not near this many people, but we had a few people stand up. One lady got uh, healing in her elbow instantly. And there was a lady who was in child care who didn't hear that we were praying for elbows and we were just releasing healing over elbows. And later on, she's like, man, my elbow's better. Like, it's, it's just better. And then she watched the, the live stream and she was like, oh my goodness, God healed my elbow when I was not even in the room. So this is what we do. Um, this is also just training on how to pray for people. Praying for the sick is easy. God wants them healed more than you want them healed. God wants to heal more than we even want it. And so we're going to just do a simple thing. Um, if everybody is okay with this, um, I want to have people around you either put their hand on your shoulder or on your feet. If, if, you're, if, that's not, if that's uncomfortable with you, that's fine. You can just wave off. Just be like, hey, just hands next to me. That's fine. It's okay. It's okay. So, yeah, either. So the people around them, uh, hand on shoulder or foot. And we're going to just release healing right now. So... Okay, two ground rules. Two ground rules. If you're getting prayed for, don't, don't pray. Okay, are you hearing me? Two ground rules. If you're getting prayed for, don't pray, just receive. Number one. Number two, if you're praying simple prayer of faith, it sounds like this. Jesus, we just release your healing power right now. We declare that you are Lord over every injury of the foot. 
and just speak to that foot right now. Just say, foot, be healed. I command you to be healed in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you have, if you can try it out, if you have issues like that you could tell if something happens, start to move, start to bend, move your toes, move your ankle. Now, if you felt something, if you know a noticeable difference, raise your hand. Thank you, Jesus. We got one right here. Thank you, Jesus. Two, three. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, we're just going to stay here for a second. What's going on? I woke up this morning with tremendous pain in my left heel, and I didn't injure it. And the Lord said to me, go to church this morning. I said, okay. And so they prayed for me, and it's gone. Yay, Jesus. <laughs> More, Lord. If you, if, you didn't get, if you didn't feel healing, just keep moving it. Jesus, all, every foot in here. Every toe be healed in Jesus' name. Who else got healing? Raise your hand. We just released a testimony. More healings break out as you release the testimony. Who else rose your hand, lifted your hand? One over here, one right here. Yeah, what happened? Yeah, so um, I've had this sharp pain on the outside of my foot for like a month or so. And um, my friend in front of me, Ray, who I've never met, she put her foot her hands right down on the spot, and she said, be healed, and I tested it, and I have no sharp pain, and I would know because of a certain way I moved my foot. Wow, Jesus. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jesus. What's your name? Talia. Talia. Wow. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus, for Talia's healing. Keep moving your feet. Who else, who else got touched? Who else got healing? There's somebody over here. One right here? Yes. Okay. I'm coming to Alicia. Let me come right through here. <laughs> yeah, so I've had issues in my big toe for like a couple years. I have no clue where it came from, just randomly started really hurting. And as Diane was praying for me, it like 98% better. It's like just a smidge. All right, 100%. Which foot is it? Which foot? Right now, Jesus. The work that you began, finish right now. In Jesus' name. Move it around. Thank you, Jesus. Where you at? Thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for 98%. God, finish it in Jesus' name. Who else? So we got a crier over here, and I, I love the criers because I'm a crier. <laughs> um, I woke up in 2016 in the middle of the night feeling like there was daggers going into my feet. And from that moment, I couldn't walk. From that moment, I went into just a total body shutdown, and all of my systems just stopped working. And I went from just being just a happy, healthy mother to just being completely just, I couldn't do anything. And from that moment is kind of when I started to search, <laughs> search for answers, search for healing. And, and at some point, I started to get into all this new age, new age healing, and turned away from God and turned away from the true healing and recently was saved. And <laughs> some, some, you guys talked, met her in evangelism, right? Yeah. She, so we just met you up at, in Norterra. 
Yeah, and we, we moved out here. It's been almost a year since we've been out here, and I am eight months alcohol-free. And, <laughs> and that the healing through God has been... I don't have words <laughs> So you get your foot healed today? That's healing right now. The, that right ankle, it's all cracking out, coming out. Jesus, thank you, Lord. Give the Lord a hand. Is there anybody else? I don't want to miss anybody. Is there anybody else? Okay, Lord, do it. Do it again for every single person. I started having like a pain in my foot a few weeks ago, and it's gone now. All right. I just, I don't know how these things work. I just, I just was praying the other day, and I saw a foot. I said, Lord, what does that mean? And I just felt like he's like, go after feet healing on Sunday. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. So just be encouraged for you that around them that just prayed for them. You just, you just healed the sick. Good stuff. It doesn't have to be the guy standing up here or the lady standing up here. We all can heal the sick. Amen. Jesus. God is so good. All right. Today is going to be a great day. It's already a great day. So I said a couple of weeks ago, I said we can wake up and say, you know, when we wake up and our head comes off the pillow, we can say, today's going to be a great day. And um, I don't know if I'm hearing my own thoughts, because sometimes we hear our own thoughts, or if I'm hearing people's thoughts out there, and it's like, oh, that's so corny. That's so cheesy. You can't just say, I'm going to have a great day, and that's going to, you know, magically make your day great. So I'm just going to talk about that for a second. What, what we're doing when we make a declaration like that is we're partnering with hope. How many know God is the God of hope? So we're partnering with hope when we make that declaration. Some of you might want to say it like this. Today is going to be a great day because Jesus is Lord. You might want to say it like this. Today is going to be a great day because this is the day that the Lord has made and I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. Today is going to be a great day because Jesus is on the throne. 2021 is going to be a great year because Jesus reigns. Amen. So we're partnering with hope when we do these things. The world, we live in kind of this pessimistic world, sarcastic world. Who would say, that's cheesy. But we know the power of partnering with hope. So we can wake up, we can partner with hope or we can partner with hopelessness. And I've done that. I wake up, man, I don't feel good, I'm not excited about my day, and I just partner with hope, hopelessness, right? Yeah, <laughs> today's not going to be a good day. So I, I feel like people wake up, you know, Christian people and non-Christian alike, you wake up and you either partner with hope, or you partner with hopelessness, or you don't partner with anything, you're just blah, you're just blah, and we're actually meant to be thermostats, and this takes, this takes practice, but you can become a thermostat where you wake up and you set your thermostat to hope. <laughs> Today's the day that the Lord has made. I'll, I'll rejoice and be glad in it. I'm hopeful for my day today. And so when you do that and you start to cultivate this hope in your life, you'll go into environments where you feel like, oh, this environment's hopeless but it's, it, there's a hopelessness in the air, but you realize, oh, this, that's not my hopelessness because my thermostat's set to hope. So now, now you're carrying the kingdom, like the, I should say you're carrying the awareness of the kingdom, 
and you are actually powerful to come into that hopeless environment and figure out what's going on. Start to talk to your coworker. Hey, how you doing? What's going on? Actually, this is there's a lot of stuff going on in my life, and then you're, boom! I'm carrying hope. I'm gonna I'm gonna release it right now. Amen. So when we partner with hope, it's not this Pollyanna thing saying that we're not saying nothing is going to, no challenges are going to happen today. We're not saying that. No challenges are going to happen. Everything's going to happen like, you know, exactly as I want it to happen today. That's not what we're saying. But what we're doing is we're partnering with hope and we're saying like, when challenges come, I'm partnered with hope and I'm going to face that challenge with hope in my heart. <clears throat> so we had a moment like that this week. We got our car fixed. We took in our van on uh, Wednesday, had check engine light on, took it in, got it fixed. We're like, praise the Lord, it's fixed. Take it home. I wake up the next day, I think Thursday morning, and I'm like, today's going to be an amazing day. Wake up, and Joy gets in the van, and the check engine light comes on. It's like, yeah, praise the Lord. <laughs> That's like, who, <laughs> who said that? Was that you? That's awesome. That's like that's like my friend Levi. People cut him off, and he's like, oh, Lord, just bless him. Bless him, Jesus. Bless him, Jesus. Had a couple of those this week. Oh, Lord, bless him, Jesus. So the check engine light comes on, and I'm like, I'm confused. I just said it was going to be a great day, and then the check engine light came on. <clears throat> and so I just start to laugh, and I'm like, ha, 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 ha. Because, you know, immediately you want to, like, Switch, switch your thermostat to hopelessness. Wait, this doesn't look like hope. This doesn't look good. And then I'm just like, Lord, I'm going to approach this situation with hope. You got this. This is going to be an easy fix. No problem. And it ended up being a really easy fix. They put a catalytic converter on our vehicle the day before, and it was the wrong one. And so we had to get a better one. And it was just a small upgrade price. And he, he felt bad for doing it, that he put the wrong one on. So he gave us, like, we had had him price a couple other things, like brakes. And he's like, hey, that price I gave you, what if I knock $50 off it? And I'll just do it for you. And it was like, at that price, it was really, it was like, it was hard. I couldn't say no. I was like, okay, let's do that too. So God ended up working it to my favor. So it's important to just partner with hope. Set your thermostat. Get used to it. There's going to be so many days, man, I felt it this morning. I did not get a great night's sleep this morning or last night. And I woke up this morning and I did not feel like setting my thermostat to hope. It felt like everything in my body right now feels like it's set to hopelessness. And, but I just wake up and I'm like, it's gonna be, today's going to be a great day. Even though I don't feel that, <laughs> it's going to be a great day. I'm partnering with hope and just within a few minutes I started to feel better. Even before I had my coffee, praise the Lord. All right, what else? We see this in evangelism. Um, man, evangelism's been so powerful. I'm going to talk more about that today. But we see this. If we go out full of hope, full of Jesus, and we come across fear, we come across anxiety, we come across shame, or we come across blah. It's like, I'm not, I don't feel anything. I've blocked all my feelings out. So when you're partnering with hope and when you go out full of hope and you encounter fear, you'll, you'll feel it. You're like, wow, that's, I, feel the, I feel this fear, but it's not mine. So when you encounter fear, we bring love because perfect love casts out fear. It's just like, wow, this person's having some fear, and I'm going to share Jesus, and I'm going to focus on like how in love he is with his creation.
like Jesus just, he loves you so much. He, there, there's like, you know, that what I said to Diane, that's true for all of us. There's, a, there's like a God-shaped hole in his heart that you fit in perfectly. And he loves you and he's longing for you. He desires you. And perfect love begins to cast out fear. We encounter anxiety and we release peace. You know, Jesus, or just share the story of Jesus and we're like, and he's the prince of peace. He'll give you peace in your life. You come across shame and we say, Jesus took your shame. Jesus despises shame, it says in Hebrews. He hates it. He despises it. And he, that's why he took it for you, because he doesn't want you to live in shame. We come across blah. We release life. Jesus said, I come to bring you life and life more abundantly. It's that life that they're missing and that they need in their heart. Romans 5.5 5 says, hope does not disappoint. Hope does not disappoint because the love of God's been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. So determined to have hope in the midst of the check engine lights of life. Hope does not disappoint. God is saying, have hope. I'm the God of hope. Hope in me will not disappoint. Amen. David said, even if I walk in the valley of the shadow of death, I'm not going to fear evil. For God is with me. That's a great declaration. Even if I encounter challenges, I'm not going to go into anxiety and fear and stress. Because God's with me. He's working all things together for my good. He's going to cause this to turn out okay. Here's another great declaration. I'll always know what to do when I face challenges. I love declarations. It's changed my life just like grabbing onto different declarations. Here's a great one. I'll always know what to do when I face challenges because the Holy Spirit's in me and he speaks to me. He's with me in all things. I'll always know what to do. You know, most sometimes the, we're just afraid of not knowing what to do. And we're just be like, you know what? It doesn't matter what I encounter. The Holy Spirit lives in me and he's going to show me what to do. John 16, Jesus said this, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, but take heart, but take heart, because I have overcome the world. You know what that sounds like? Today's going to be a great day because Jesus is on the throne. Take heart means have hope. Today's going to be a great day. Take heart. So God never promised us a life without challenge, but he did promise that he'd be with us no matter what we face. Amen. Set your thermostats to hope. Cultivate that in your life. Okay, that's just the appetizer. Last week I talked about revival, and I want to continue on in that theme today. Revival means times of refreshing. We talked about that. Revival is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The first revival happened in Acts chapter 2. It was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And that day, Holy Spirit hits. Peter stands up and declares the gospel boldly. He didn't try to convince people anything about Jesus. He didn't try to share his stories, which he could, man, how many amazing stories would he have about Jesus? I walked on water with Jesus. 
He didn't try to pull out his best stories to convince people. He just simply proclaimed the gospel boldly. He said, Jesus Christ was here and you guys killed him. And he died for you. He died for each one of you. He says, repent and be baptized, receive salvation. That day, 3,000 people got saved. That's the first revival. So revival is marked by outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the bold preaching of the gospel, and the lost coming to Christ. This is, you see this in so many different revivals throughout history. Outpouring of the Holy Spirit, bold preaching of the gospel, or sometimes it starts with bold preaching of the gospel, outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and people, the lost get saved, people get healed, God shows up. Revival is the heart of God made manifest. The heart of God made manifest. People get saved, people get healed, people get set free and delivered. And a lot of, I'm starting to study the history of revival. And you know, if, if you want to start revival, the first one you study is Acts chapter 2. That's the first revival. And you just go throughout. There's been so many revivals. And the, throughout revival history, there's been weird manifestations, strange manifestations. And I, as I'm looking through the history of revival, it's funny how common, like, the same manifestations are. Holy laughter, very common throughout the revivals. Holy laughter, shaking, violent shaking. Hundreds of years ago, people God's showing up in revival and people are shaking. So we talked about that last week, but we're not chasing the manifestations. We're not looking for a particular thing to happen. We're chasing Jesus. We're chasing Jesus. The manifestation is not the message. Jesus is the message. The message is Jesus. So we're not chasing like I got to shake or I got to do this. But we let God be God and sometimes people shake and that's awesome. Revival produces more hunger for God. In the natural we eat, we're, we're full for the moment. But in the spiritual, the more we experience God, the hungrier we get. And we're like, oh my goodness. Like I'm thinking of just Monet's healing that you know just happened where she's just radically healed of, of PCOS and endometriosis. And it just makes us more hungry. We're like, oh God, do it again. Do it for more people. Do it for more people, Lord. We want to see that happen again and again and again. That's why we share the testimonies. There's a testimony wall over there. I know that probably only about 20% of the testimonies that have happened in this church are on that wall. So let conviction fall where it may. <laughs> Put your testimony on the wall. Because what you're doing is when you share your testimony, you're prophesying over others that need it. They need, they need, an, actually, I need to raise my hand because I've seen some salvations out doing evangelism that I have not yet put on the wall. So I'm guilty also. <laughs> Revival produces more hunger for God. Aubrey, a little girl in our church, she had a cyst in her jaw. They said they were going to have to uh, cut into her cheek. She'd have a permanent scar. And they're going to have to cut out a piece of her jaw. And she got radically healed. And they just did another scan. Uh, two or three weeks ago, and they're like, there's no sis, she's fine. Yeah. By the way, they want to do, man, how do I say this, Lord, help me say this. This is the greatest hospital in the world right here. This is the greatest hospital, and Jesus is the great physician. I, I'm telling you this because when they told 
this little girl, when they told her parents, she has a cyst, we'll do the surgery right now. We'll cut into her face. She's going to have a permanent scar. We'll cut a piece of her jaw out. And they had the wisdom to say, uh, no, we're not doing that. We're going to go to church first. And she got radically healed. They are Otherwise, what would most people do in the world? Yeah, go ahead and do it. They told her, it's going gonna, it's gonna to grow. It's going to break her jaw. Let's just get it done now. They're like, um, no, we're going to wait a second. Come to church before you decide what to do. Amen? Give God a chance. Revival produces more hunger. Joy had a heart healing that most of you know the testimony in 2012, right? 2011, one of those. 2011. Where gets an argument here in the front row? <laughs> I think you said 2011. One of those. Doesn't matter. Several years ago, it was a great healing in my wife's heart. And it produced this intense hunger in us. We'd never seen that. Or we had seen maybe one or two miracles in the you know, span of 10 years. But it's hard to deny it when it happens to you. And we're like, well, what do we do with this? And it gave us a hunger for more. And it's one of the catalysts and one of the reasons that we started this church. We knew that started calling us into ministry. We started feeling the call to, to start a church. And it came after that healing. So last week I said revival can be messy. There's no squeaky clean revivals. Revival can be messy. Listen to this verse. This is so good. It's in Proverbs. I think we have it for the screens. Proverbs 14.4. Look at this. Where there's no oxen, the manger's clean. But much increase comes by the strength of the ox. Let me say that again. Let's read it again. Where there's no oxen, the manger's clean. But much increase comes by the strength of the ox. When revival hits, it propels the church. Much strength comes to the church during revival. But there might be some shoveling required. Get out your shovel. Without the ox, we don't see the increase. We don't see the strength. But with the ox, we're going to have to get out the shovel. That verse is about revival. Can you believe that? So a huge aspect of every revival, and in many cases, what has started the revival is evangelism. I really didn't know that. Just being humble before you guys. Before Chris and Joe came, I, was, I didn't, never connected that. The connection between evangelism and revival. Every revival, a big aspect has been evangelism. Evangelism is the bold preaching of the cross. It's the bold preaching of the message of Jesus. So the bold preaching of the cross has been the centerpiece of every revival, starting with the one in Acts chapter 2. That was the template. That's the template for a revival. Holy Spirit hits bold preaching of the gospel and people get saved and people get touched and people get healed so I want to touch on evangelism today because evangelism and revival are symbiotic 
Did I say that right? Symbiotic. They work together. They go hand in hand. I want to read uh, a few scriptures in uh, Romans chapter 10. And I, we have it for the screens because I'm reading it in the message. I was looking at this, as I often do when I'm kind of researching passages or studying passages. I'll look at, it, look at it in several different translations. And I looked at this in the message, and I was like, oh, I, that's the one. I'm going to share this, this passage in the message. It says, but how can people call for help if they don't know who to trust? How can they know who to trust if they haven't heard of the one who can be trusted? And how can they hear if nobody tells them? And how is anyone going to tell them unless someone is sent to do it? That's why the scripture exclaims, and he's quoting Old Testament scripture, a sight to take your breath away. Grand processions of people telling all the good things of God. But not everybody is ready for this, ready to see and hear and act. Isaiah asks, when we, all, when we all ask at one time or another, or what we all ask at one time or another, does anyone care, God? Is anyone listening and believing a word of it? The point is, before you trust, you have to listen, but unless Christ's word is preached, there's nothing to listen to. Isn't that good? Do you know why evangelism can start a revival? Because evangelism is the bold preaching of Jesus. It's the bold preaching of the cross. And when you share the simple message of Christ, the power of God is released. Man, we see it. That's some, another thing that I didn't really grasp before doing this evangelism. We see it every single week. Just the simple gospel message in 60-second form and 90-second form, you see the power of God hit people. You see it. It's, it's so interesting, like, I think it was two or three weeks ago, we were talking to this lady, and I shared, like, a 90-second version of who Jesus was, and we take people from Jesus came to the earth, he was fully God, fully man, and he took our sin upon himself, he died on a cross, and then he rose from the dead, and we do that in about 90 seconds or 60 seconds. And I just finished saying, and he rose from the dead, and he's here right now, and he's alive, and she stopped me, and she said, yeah, I won't be doing that today. And I thought, to my, in my heart, I thought, I didn't ask you to do anything. When we preach the gospel, the power of the Holy Spirit goes out and says in Romans 16, we preach the gospel. And Romans 16, or Roman, uh, John 16, sorry. It talks about the Holy Spirit, one of his jobs is to convict unbelievers of sin. So as we're sharing the gospel, the Holy Spirit is convicting them of sin and saying, you need to do something. You need Jesus. You need a Savior. And they know they have a choice to make. And I never ask her to do anything. She says, yeah, I'm not going to be doing that today. It's like, who's speaking to her heart? The Holy Spirit is. The message of the cross is powerful. We see people just like, it's like they're like deer in headlights. And I had a whole family yesterday. It was this husband, wife, and three kids. And I'm just sharing the simple gospel to, with, with Tony. And these little kids are just like. And, the, and it's funny because they didn't interrupt. I, I just shared the whole gospel message with them. And it's like 
their hearts are being pierced. This message is powerful. This is the difference between, like, we used to go out and do, um, like, Holy Spirit treasure hunts, and we'd pray for people, and we'd see people healed, and we would say, oh, Jesus loves you, and that's all great, and we might do that, too, in another, you know, time. But right now, the focus is on, like, share the simple message of the gospel and just watch it pierce people's hearts. It's powerful. Romans 1.16, Paul said this, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Gospel is the bold preaching of Jesus. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. It's powerful. Right there we have it. He says, this message is powerful. It's the power of God will show up for salvation to everyone who believes. When you share the simple message of Jesus, it's powerful, and people have powerful reactions to it. You know, if I, if I encountered someone and I said, I want to I share my love of Corvettes for you. That's not, that's not going to, you know, captivate anybody's heart. They might, you know, become annoyed by the message. But when we, when we show up with people and we share our love of Jesus and we just share this simple thing, it's like you feel something happening. And I'm telling you, the first two weeks I did this, I, I could almost not share it without crying. And, and part of it was nerves. Just, it was just nervous to do this. But part of it was like I just felt the Holy Spirit so heavy on this message. I'm like, wow, I didn't, I didn't realize. I forgot that this simple message of Jesus is so powerful. You know, at one time, we, that message pierced all of our hearts. And Jesus wants to take us back to that time where that message pierced our heart. And we're like, at one time, that, that meant something. That pierced my heart. And I said, Jesus, take my life. It's yours. And when you go out and you do evangelism, you, f- you, f- you experience that all over again. Because evangelism is not just for people to get saved. It's for the believers to come alive again. And that's one of the blessings There's, I'm learning. We're learning all the blessings of evangelism. One, we see people get saved. Um, we, get, we see seeds sown into people that have to produce something because God's word never returns void. Um, two, it's like this beautiful brotherhood, this beautiful camaraderie this, uh, of, of believers standing shoulder to shoulder in the work of the, the ministry field, sharing Jesus with people, and it's, like, beautiful. Everybody that I've been paired up with, I feel like I know them better, and I feel like, I'm like, wow, we went to battle together. That's yeah, powerful stuff. And then the other, <laughs> I'm, I think I'm jumping ahead of myself, but the other blessing of, of evangelism is you're forced to face your own fear of rejection and fear of man, which I'll, I'll just be really transparent for a second. I committed to doing this for six months. I was like, Lord, I want to do this for six months. I'm going to lead a team in evangelism. And after week two, I was like, Lord, I don't know if I can do this. <laughs> and I, I was committed to it. I wasn't going to quit, but I'm like, Lord, I, I'm just like, I was, I think after the first time I took a team out, the second I think I got home, I started fearing the next week that we're going to go out. I started getting nervous. And I was nervous, I think, that whole week. And so after the second week, I was like, I started calling like, you know, mentors and pastors in my life. And I was like, hey, this is what I did. I committed six months of this and I'm terrified and, <laughs> and I need help. And 
one person in particular, they all, all prayed over me and it was powerful, but one person in particular, he started to prophesy over me and he goes, you're going to have such a hard time turning this over to someone in six months. And that just broke something in my heart. And I've not been afraid since then. I've not been afraid. It's not been this weight on my shoulder ever since then. And so I want to encourage you, if you want to do evangelism and come out with this, give it like four weeks. Give it like four to six weeks and just see what God does. Take note of what God does in your own heart. It forces you to face your fear of man. It forces you to face your fear of rejection. And those are awesome things for God to work out of your life. Those are awesome things for God to work out of your life. If you do this for a while, sharing with the waitress at your, in your restaurant will be so easy. It's so easy. You know, you have a nice person in front of you that wants a tip, and it's so easy. It's so easy. We share the simple message of the gospel, and, and it, people have a power reaction, powerful reaction to it. Some people start to cry. It's the story that we've heard over and over and over, and we've become familiar with it. And we share it, and people just cry. And it pierces our heart again. We're like, wow, Jesus, what you did so powerful. It's so important for people to hear this. Some people cry. Some people get angry. It has such a powerful reaction on people. Some people get angry. It's like, again, if I were sharing with them about my love of Corvettes, I guarantee you they wouldn't get angry. They might get annoyed, but they're not going to get angry. It's like the Holy Spirit is speaking to them, and some people, just everything inside them is like, no, and they get angry. But it's, it's amazing. It's like a, a, a neat social experiment to share this message with people and just to see what happens. It's interesting. So that passage, Romans 10, and the message that we put up, it said, but not everybody is ready for this. Not everybody's ready to see. Not everybody's ready to hear and act. I try to give everybody a chance to act. And it sounds crazy, but it's like 90 seconds later, I'm like, he's here right now, and he wants your heart. He'll wash you of your sin. He, he invites you into a relationship with him. Would you like to receive him right now? I give them a chance to act. And we had a whole family last week. Would you like to receive him right now? Mom, dad, little son, yes. And they're sitting there just receiving Jesus. Just, I just started talking to them like two minutes ago. And they're like, hands out, receiving Jesus right there. Man, God's so good. Even the people who are not yet ready, they need the seed to be sown in their hearts. We need to redefine what successful evangelism looks like. We can't share this message and we have the lady like, like what happened with me. I, nope, not going to be doing that today. We can't walk away from that and be like, oh, failed evangelism experience. Because the seed that we sown, that's, the word is telling us not everybody's ready. They're not ready to hear, but you're putting a seed in their heart that is going to produce something. Let me tell you a story. There was a man, he was a pastor, and he's sharing the story. And he says, I used to be a drug dealer. I was standing on the street dealing drugs, and this guy came up to me to evangelize me. 
And he shared the message of Jesus with me. And I looked at him and I said, you better get out of my face or you're going to get hurt. He said, the man looked so discouraged and he left. He said, after that man left, he said, what the words that he spoke to me about Jesus haunted me. He said, I could not get him out of my, my mind. And he, he ends up getting radically saved. And now here's years later, he's a pastor, he's preaching. He goes, I have no idea who that man was. But he walked away thinking, probably thinking, failed evangelism experience. But our job is, is to just sow seeds. When we sow the seed, that's a successful evangelism experience. We just sow that simple seed of the message of Jesus, and it produces life. It's powerful. That's one of the things that really changed my thinking about evangelism is I thought, you know, probably wouldn't have articulated it like this, but I thought I almost have to sell Jesus or convince them or share my story. Like, hey, he's just changed my life and this is, this is my story. And that, has, that can have merit and that'll impact some people. But a lot of other people will be like, well, that's your experience. But when you share the simple gospel message, it impacts every single person. And anybody can do it. You don't have to be a salesman. You don't have to be good at talking. You don't have to be, you know, have the gift of gab. You just share that simple message. And even I've just rehearsed it throughout the week because I'm like, Jesus, I, wa I want to be good at communicating your story. I want to be good at just, just speaking and communicating your story. But that's all we have to do. You don't have to sell Jesus. Just share the cross. Just share the message, the simple message of the cross. Ooh, where are we at? I'm going to take a drink. Yeah, I'm going to skip that part. <laughs> the world is, is hurting so badly, and we, we have the cure. We have the cure to their problem. His name is Jesus. We, we're, we're sitting today in the best hospital in the world. You encounter people with, with issues in their body. You encounter people with torment, like depression. It's like they need Jesus. They, they need the hospital. You encounter people that they're just pursuing so many different things, and they, they think it's trying to bring them life, but they don't know what they really are looking for is Jesus. So back to, Romans 10, it, back to Romans 10, it said, but how can people call for help if they don't know who to trust? How can they know who to trust if they haven't heard of the one that can be trusted? And how can they hear if nobody tells them? How is anyone going to tell them unless someone is sent? Unless someone is sent to do it. By the way, this isn't a push for Saturday evangelism. This isn't just a push for that. Um, but people need to hear this message. People need to hear this message of Jesus. And I believe that God is giving the church new ideas to evangelize and new ways to evangelize. And God might be giving someone here or several people here, giving you ideas of where people are going to come to you. People are going to come to you in your own sphere of influence where you can share Christ with them. This isn't about a, a push for our Saturday evangelism, although come to that, especially if you're feeling, if your heart's being stirred right now, come. 
come even and just watch if you're, if you're afraid. You're, the pastor of the church just admitted he is afraid. It's okay to be afraid. Come and do it anyway. Come and face your fear. So this isn't about the, like a big push for our Saturday evangelism thing, but this is about getting a heart for our city, getting a heart for the lost, getting a heart for the broken. We just, we just pass people just walking here at North Terra. We just pass so many people that are just broken. They're lost. They're searching. Some are ready to receive. Some, some are ready to get a seed planted in their heart. So we are Jesus' hands and feet on the earth. The Bible says he is the head and we are the body. So we actually are doing the work of Jesus Christ. In Galatians 2, uh, 20 says, it's no longer I who lives, it's Christ who lives in me. Part of evangelism is, is like getting over yourself and be like, this has nothing to do with me. This is Jesus getting everything that he paid for. Getting over yourself. And I'm, I'm still working on it. But it's beautiful. It's a beautiful process to where you, you, I'm starting to have some of those moments where I'm like, man, my fear of whatever, it, it just is it's out of the way. And this is just Jesus getting his, his like message out to people. Evangelism isn't about shoving something down someone's throat, but it's about how can I be the hands and feet of Jesus and give people an opportunity to know him Romans 10 again, I'm going back to that, said, a sight to take your breath away, grand processions of people telling all the good things of God. That's what I'm praying for. I'm like, Lord, give us 10, then give us 15, then give us 30, then give us 50 strong. God, then give us 100 strong, and God, give us, then give us 400 strong. Obviously, we know God has to grow our church for this to happen. But that's what he wants to do, especially, I've, I'm telling you right now, and I think I've already said this, but I feel a breakthrough in the spirit since we start going out. I feel a breakthrough in the spirit. People are just coming, and they're just like, I just want to know about your church. Like, wh where'd you guys come from? And it's just like, it's a breakthrough in the spirit. So I want to close with this passage in Luke, Luke chapter 5. I think, I think it, this is the New American Standard Version. Luke chapter 5, I'm going to read verses 4 through 11. Luke chapter 5, verses 4 through 11. So now this passage is about evangelism. This is about evangelism, and it'll hit you in a different way. You've probably heard this before, but it'll hit you in a different way if you realize this is about evangelism. So Jesus just spoke to a crowd, and then we'll pick it up in verse 4, Luke 5, verse 4. Now when, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon responded and said, Master, we worked hard all night and caught nothing, but I will do as you say and I'll let down the nets. And when he had done this, they caught a great quantity of fish, and their nets began to tear. So they signaled to their partners in the other boats to come and help them. And they came and filled both of the boats to the point that they were sinking. But when Simon Peter saw this, he fell down at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, 
for I am a sinful man. For amazement had seized him and all of his companions because of the catch of fish that they had taken. And likewise, also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not fear. From now on, you'll be catching people. That's evangelism. You're going to be catching people. When they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. So now everything that happened in this passage is leading up to Jesus telling them from now on, you're going to be catching men. So there's great significance in this passage about evangelism. Everything that's happening is setting the stage for him to say those words. From now on, you're going to be fishers of men. Go back to verse 4. He said, says, now when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Do you want to go in the deep things of God? Share Jesus with someone. Go out into the deep water, let down your nets. That's evangelism. That, this is the deep things of God. What good is a bunch of theological knowledge when you don't share it with someone? You want to go deeper with God, share the gospel with people. This is the deep things. Go out to the deep. I love that because another passage, it didn't say it like that. But in this passage, it says, go out into the deep. Put your nets down. Simon responded, verse 5. Master, we worked hard all night and caught nothing. But I will do as you say and let down the nets. Let me tell you something. Evangelism isn't about working hard. It's like we did, we did that. We've been working hard. We caught nothing. Your hard work is not going to produce what can easily be produced in just sharing the simple gospel message. Evangelism isn't about working hard. It's about sharing the simple gospel message with people. When we're working hard, we're putting our faith in our own ability. But when we share the simple gospel message, we're putting our faith in the message of Jesus. The gospel is the power unto salvation. The gospel itself is the power. Sharing that gospel message carries so much power, and it's not hard. It's not hard. It's not hard work. We've... <laughs> I almost said we, we've worked hard not to make it hard, but we kind of have. We're like, and, and it started with Chris Kildosher and Joe. They were like, it was so simple with them. They're like, we're going to come and we're going to share stories and we're going to pray a little bit and let's go eat. And then we're just eating and we're just all relaxed. They're totally relaxed. We're just, they're just laughing. And then before you know it, I see Joe talking to two young, a young couple and they're, they're weeping. They both received Jesus right there. And and then I'm with Chris and him just walking and talking and we go get a coffee. He's like, I'm gonna get a coffee. There was no urgency. There was no like, man, I gotta get my ticker. I gotta I gotta get the the numbers. Like years ago, um, my wife got evangelized in a parking lot, and this lady was sharing Jesus with her. And Joy said, Oh man, that's so awesome that you're sharing Jesus. I'm a Christian, and the lady's just counting his change. She was 
trying to get my numbers here. Why didn't you stop me? You just let me say the whole thing? He's like, on to the next person. There was no feeling of like, I got to get my numbers. I'm turning this into this hard work. <clears throat> Our job's to sow seeds, and we're trying not to even like, like I think we've had 14 people get saved, um, but we're trying not to judge our success based on how many people get saved because success is just sharing the gospel message at, in a place of rest. We've been working hard. Worked hard all night, caught nothing. Verse 6, and when they had done this, they caught a great quantity of fish, and their nets began to tear. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came in both of the boats. Uh, they filled both of the boats to the point to where they were both sinking. This just hit me. This miracle was an illustration of people coming to Christ. So this is what we're believing for, thousands of people coming to Christ. This is an illustration. Jesus said, I'm going to show you how to catch men, and he does this miracle, and these fish represent people, and there's so many that the nets are breaking. The nets are breaking. We anticipate thousands. I was listening to Randy Clark uh, the other day, and Randy Clark's the father of the Toronto Blessing that started in 1994, and he was just sharing all these stories. And he said, I've got this friend, and he has this recurring vision. And the vision is this. He, sa he says, uh, in the vision, there's a, a charismatic pastor, and he calls a Baptist pastor, and he says, he says I got to send you like 100, 200 people. Uh, we just don't have the room. He's like, please take these people. They're new believers, and they, they just need a home, and we just don't have any more room. And the Baptist pastor says, I, I'm so sorry, I can't. I'm trying to send 100 people to the Presbyterian church down the street. I don't have enough room. So we're anticipating multitudes, thousands. This is the illustration that Jesus used. Put, go out into the deep, put down your nets. And there was so many fish that the nets began to break. It was sinking both ships. Does that sound like I, we can't hold anymore? This is too many. It's sinking our ship. I'm, try, I'm, try, I'm begging the pastor next door to take some. You know, if, if when this revival comes where there's just this mass revival, like the Billion Soul Harvest that um, Bob Jones talked about, every church will be filled and there won't be enough room. That's why a lot of people have just saw like stadiums full. They're like, we just need to get, we just need to rent the, the Sun Devil Stadium or the Cardinal Stadium and just, because there's just too many. What else? Verse 8, when Simon Peter saw this, he fell down at, Je at Jesus' knees, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. For amazement had seized him and all his companions because of the catch of fish which they had taken. And likewise, also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not fear, for now on you're going to be catching people. When they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and they followed him. So this is interesting. This power of God shows up and Peter goes into confession. He goes into repentance, but Jesus hasn't preached anything. And this man drops to his knees and he goes into confession. 
Jesus didn't preach anything, but Peter experienced the power of God. Jesus has called us to be fishers of men and women. And when we share the simple gospel message, they'll experience the power of God. Repentance comes. He ex- Peter experienced the power of God. He witnessed the power of God. He drops to his knees and goes into repentance. When we share the simple message of the gospel, it carries power to bring people to salvation and bring people into repentance right there. God has a heart for Phoenix, and he wants us to have a heart for this city. We want to get his heart. He loves Phoenix. He wants to encounter every broken person. Do you know that every room, everybody in this room is a leader? Every person in this room is a leader. I love John Maxwell. I love his, um, his teachings and his books about leadership. And he says leadership's defined really simply. It's influence. It's just influence. So if you have influence over one person, you're a leader. Because leadership is just influence. So who is it that you have influence over? Who is it that you need to share this gospel message with? I was talking to uh, Kevin Joza, who's in... Uh, Chicago right now, and he was just telling me that he got saved by someone just sharing the gospel message with him, just at, I believe it was at his work, and who is it, who is it in your life, in your area of influence, you know, maybe you're not ready to go out and just share with random strangers, but who is it that you have in your sphere of influence, we need to get like this sense of urgency, not of works, but the sense of like reality, that, wow, without Jesus Christ, with, if, if people don't receive Jesus, if they reject Christ in their life, they are going to go to hell. And we need to get this urgency in our heart, like, I need to share this message. This, it's like, it's selfish to have, to know what we know, to have what we have, and to keep it to ourselves because of our own fear of man. I know that's strong. I just want to share one more thing, and then I'm going to pray. Um, just in, in um, when we were praying this morning, I just kept feeling this, like, um, let me see if I can articulate it. I just kept feeling this, like, feeling of, like, the name of Jesus, it's, has authority, high authority over all other names. It has authority over sickness. And I had a, I had a feeling of like the sense of that in this house is going up. It's going to another level to where we just have like this fear of God that we're like, wow, the name of Jesus. Like the fear of God, by the way, it's to be like just so in awe of God's power that it's kind of scary. Like, wow, that's amazing. There's this, a verse, and I think it's Psalms or Proverbs, but it says, um, forgive me for not knowing the exact address, but it says there's going to be a time when the fear of God, now I'm messing it up. It says um, God's going to bless his people so much that it'll cause men to fear him. And so it's, it's the goodness of God that we see poured out 
when revival comes, when in evangelism and all these things and healings, and it causes men to be like, whoa, that's, that's amazing. The fear of God is like being in this amazement of God. The fear of God is like Joe Bieber, like it just so impacted my heart. He's like, I got saved and God saved me out of a lot of crazy stuff. And yeah, I think he was 20 or 21, and he goes, somebody took me out, and, and they led someone to Jesus. And he's like, oh, man, my whole life is meant for this. He's like, he just like, he's like, this is what I was born for. I'm here on the planet to do that, to lead people to Jesus, to show them what I, what I got. So I just had this feeling, and I don't even know how this works in the message or if it even does. But I just had this feeling of like, wow, the name of Jesus, it's like supremely over everything. Over depression, over fear, over sickness, over every kind of disease that is named. And I feel like there's an awareness going up of that in this house to where we're like, wow, this is an open heaven. Actually, somebody called me this week, and they're like, I just have to give you this word. They said, your church is like another Bethel. There's an open heaven over your church, and thousands of people are going to come to Christ through your church. And there's this awareness of like, man, all of this happens through this awareness of the supreme authority of Jesus Christ. All right, stand to your feet. Ministry team, could you come forward? If you have a prayer need, if if uh, if you need healing, come forward. Come forward today. We already seen some God show up and heal. The healer is here. If you need just need uh, encouragement, if you need um, if you're just struggling with something and you just want prayer, um, what else? If what? Oh yeah. Yeah, if you need prayer for anything, please come forward. It's, it's one of our privileges, great privileges, to just pray with you and agree with you in prayer. So um, don't miss that opportunity. I remember uh, just sharing a real quick testimony. I remember when um, one, I had one back uh, issue where God healed it in my sleep overnight. But I had another back issue that I just went up for prayer every single week. I just kept going. I'm like, I'm, I'm not healed yet. I'm going to keep getting prayer. The enemy's trick is he's like, ah, it didn't happen, so it's not going to happen for you. Don't waste their time. Don't waste your time. Just just become hopeless about it. And just like, you know, we start to build these strongholds in our heart. Contend for your healing. Like, Jesus wants to heal you. Now, you can take that in a works way. I don't mean that in a works way, but keep pressing in. Like, Jesus, your word says you want to heal me, and I'm not going to go into this hopeless thing. So if you need prayer for, for any sickness, come forward, or anything else. If you just like, like, hey, I just want to touch from the Lord, that's legal. Come forward. <laughs> it's totally legal. You know, we, when we're evangelizing, we, I think we encountered a guy yesterday, and he's, we, I said, do you need any prayer for anything? And he's like, nah, just, I, I think that's selfish. He's like, there's so many people that need so many things in the world. My little needs are just, it would be selfish for me to ask for prayer for. How many know that's not God's heart? He cares about every detail of your life. Just like those of us that have kids, we get it. Oh, I should have said that to him. He had a kid. Yeah. We, yeah, we're learning. <laughs> those of us that have children get this. We're like, man, we don't want them to be without anything. We want them to have everything they need and be blessed on top of it. All right. Jesus. 
We thank you that you're here in this place. And I want to give everybody an opportunity to know Jesus. If you've never given your heart to Jesus, you've heard enough gospel today to just surrender your life. So if you'd like to invite Jesus to be the Lord of your life for the first time, or if you'd like to rededicate, maybe, you're, maybe you'd say like, yeah, I did that at some point, but I want to do it again. I, I want to rededicate my life. So if you'd like to give your heart to Jesus today or rededicate your heart to Jesus with eyes closed, just slip up your hand. I'm just going to see it. I'll be the only one to see it. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, wait another moment. If you would like to give your heart to Jesus this morning, just slip up your hand. Live stream too, if you'd like to, just comment or just send us a private message. Thank you, Jesus. So I'm going to believe that everybody here is saved and knows Jesus because no hands went up. So Jesus, I thank you that, God, it's, it's the joy of our life to carry your message. God, pierce our hearts all over again with this message. God, at one point, our heart was pierced and we said yes to you. God, we just ask that you come and pierce our hearts again. We just pray that every shame of the gospel breaks Every shame of the gospel. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God unto salvation. And I, and I confessed last week that I, I knew that as I started doing this, I had some shame about the gospel. And God will work that out of your heart. And I just pray, God, you're just breaking shame. You're breaking shame of the gospel. We thank you, Jesus. God bless these people. We declare Jesus is Lord in this place. We declare no sickness can come upon these people because we're under an open heaven where sickness cannot exist. And we just declare life over everybody. Bring us back safely next week. We pray in Jesus' name, protection over each family, blessing over each family. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.